glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. Well, let me ask you this tonight. Why would a person, if you could tonight be a king, all right, we don't have kings and queens anymore, but if we did, what would you say makes being a king desirable? All right, why would you want to be a king? Think it through for just a minute. What do kings have that the rest of us really don't? Yes. Perfect. That's what he said, and that's what you said. They have power. What does power mean? It means I'm in control, right? This king was very wealthy. He had something called a kingdom, right? Meaning everybody had to do what he said. But let me ask you a question. As we look through this story what is, stands out is that John the Baptist loses his head. Do you guys get the idea that Herod wanted to cut off John's head necessarily? Then why did he? He's a king. Why did he do something if he didn't want to do it? Because Herod listened to the wrong voices. The Bible says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. You see, Herod gave his word because something pleased him. He said, ooh, you gave me what I want, and I'll give you what you want. And he gave his word, I'll do whatever you ask. And everybody heard him say that. I think if all the people hadn't heard him say that, he might have even lied and said, no, I'm not cutting his head off. I'm afraid what God would do to me. But because everybody heard him and he was afraid of losing face, he went ahead and did what Herodias, his brother's wife, wanted him to do. So we've heard tonight already a theme. God gives you a choice. Let me say something. Devil does not. We saw that in Genesis 3 on the first night that the devil will tell you, you can do what you want, but really he's getting you to do what he wants. The devil wants you to disobey God because that destroys you. And so what he does is he tricks you so that he begins to control your life. And what he'll say is, you don't want God doing that. He already has told you if you let him be in control, you have to obey him. So don't obey God. That way you can do what you want, like Herod. Right? <laughs> Not really. Herod didn't do what he wanted. He did what his sin wanted, what the devil wanted. I'm sure the devil wanted John the Baptist to be shut up. Don't you reckon? John the Baptist was called a what? Crying in the wilderness. He was a voice. A voice for who? A voice for God. Satan hates the voice of God. He is in competition. We saw that in the very first night. So tonight we're going to focus specifically, though, on the voice of God in the life of this king named Herod. And what we find over and over is that he would not submit to the voice of God. And in not listening to the voice of God, he opened himself up to listening to the voice of Satan, which the voice of Satan, did Satan actually come and say, Herod, I want you cutting off John Baptist's head. Is that what he said? Or did he use somebody else? In the garden, he used the serpent. In Joseph's life, he used some envious brethren, and he used Potiphar's wife. Here, he used a woman named Herodias, and he used other things in Herod's life. Herod's own lust opened his heart to the voice of Satan instead of the voice of God. I don't really want to focus on all the other voices tonight. I'm going to give you five simple things about the voice of God in Herod's life. I don't think it'll take... A long time to give these to you if you'll listen very closely. The first thing I want us to know, and you'll notice this is a theme. This is our third message on this. You'll notice a theme that in God's word, God says something, and then Satan counters what God says. 
So in Herod's life, Herod hears the voice of God by John the Baptist. And the Bible tells us in Mark chapter 6, verse 18, that John the Baptist didn't come and say, Herod, you're great. He came and he said in verse 18, for John said unto Herod, it is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. Who goes and tells the king you're doing wrong? Well, God does because God is king of kings. Jesus is called in Revelation chapter 19, king of kings and Lord of lords. Meaning who gets to tell the president of the United States what to do? And Jesus Christ does when he's ready to. The president may say, well, I don't want him telling me what to do. That really has nothing to do with it. We have some powerful men in our world. There's some people in, uh, yeah, there's some leaders in China and North Korea and some other places that are some pretty mean people. But the Lord Jesus Christ one day will tell them what they're going to do and they'll have to do it because he's king of kings and Lord of lords. So here, the Lord Jesus Christ, God sends John the Baptist to go tell Herod, you're doing something that's bad. What he did, he liked his brother's wife, why? I don't know. She must have been pretty or something because she was mean. She's a Jezebel of the New Testament. But she, he likes Philip's wife. So he, does, he steals her. He takes his brother Philip's wife and says, now she's my wife. And what God said by John the Baptist is, no, she's not. You've married her, but what you're doing is unlawful. Not by Herod's law, not by Rome's law, but by God's law. And God's law supersedes all other laws. And John the Baptist came and, and gave... Herod, the word of God. Now, we'll see this again. How clear is what John the Baptist told Herod? Pretty clear. Was there any confusion when John the Baptist got done? He didn't say, look, Herod, you're doing wrong, but if you'll support my ministry, I'll look the other way. <laughs> Did he? No. He said, Herod, what you're doing is unlawful in taking... Does he know what's unlawful? Does John the Baptist come in and say, Herod, you've got some bad stuff in your life. I think you know what it might be. He said, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. By the way, if you could read the Old Testament law, that's exactly what it says. A man's not allowed, even if uh, if there was a, a divorce or whatever would have been. No, Under no circumstances, he's supposed to marry his brother's wife, but he had. And so God's word is always clear. When God speaks to you, it's not unclear what he's saying. We covered this. When it says in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That's not hard to understand. When God says, honor thy father and thy mother, or children obey your parents, or uh, we're to submit ourselves to God, it's not hard to understand. And so the precision, what I want you to see first is how precise the voice of God was. God was abundantly clear. How many of us tonight know what the Bible says is necessary for you to do if God is going to forgive your sins against him? How precise is the Bible about telling us what is our part? If God's going to forgive our sins against him, what must we do? Somebody help me. One of you young people help me. What are we supposed to do if God in heaven is going to forgive our sins? Keep the Ten Commandments? What are we supposed to do? I'm sorry? That's, that is the right attitude. We should be sorry for our sins. We should. The Bible would call that repentance, Okay. But is that all? What's that? Ask him. Why should we ask him? It's true. I'm looking for something so simple. In Acts 16, there's a man that said, What must I do to be saved? And verse 31, he answers. And what does he say? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. 
that not what it says? Believing on the Lord Jesus Christ includes being sorry for our sins, no doubt. You can't believe that Jesus died for your sins and not be sorry for your sins if you truly believe it, right? My point is this night, God, John 3.16 makes it very simple, okay? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever tries really hard to be like Jesus, that what it says? That whosoever what? Believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What you need to do to have your sins forgiven is trust the Lord Jesus to save you from what you deserve from God. You and I deserve to be punished for our sins, but God makes it clear. Your part is very simple. Trust Jesus Christ to save you, to give you forgiveness. God says when you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, when you believe what God says about him, God saves you. Your faith in Jesus makes you righteous. Is that what the Bible says? Romans chapter 4, your personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is what makes you righteous. Now, that's the, that's the simplicity. I'm simply using that as an illustration. I don't, I tell you what, Satan would love to complicate it. Well, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and, and no, that's not what it says. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this way. Somebody said, ask him, right? Why do we say that? Because the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be Saved. Here's, let me tell you this. You cannot believe on the Lord Jesus Christ without saying it with your mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. But let's not complicate it. Why do we ask him? Because we believe. God's word makes salvation very simple. So let's go over it again. What does God say is our part if he's going to forgive us and save us from our sins? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Meaning, you trust Jesus to do that for you, and he will. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. May I say this? Why then are there so many ideas about how to have our sins forgiven and how to be saved? Did Jesus, has, our, has our sins, have our sins, I didn't intend to necessarily get off in salvation, but I want us to be clear. The Bible's clear. Have our sins already been punished? Has anyone ever been punished for my sins? Yes. I have done things that, listen, I deserve to be punished by God. Do you? I have done things bad in my life and I deserve for God to punish me. But someone was punished instead of me and that's what the Lord Jesus Christ did. The Bible says, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. What's the next two words? Those are two very important words. He died for us. I deserve to be punished by God, but Jesus was punished instead. He died for me, for me. So then I don't have to be punished for my sins. I don't don't get forgiveness by getting punished. I get forgiveness by trusting someone who was punished for me. Now, Jesus not only died for us, he lives. The Bible says that he died for us, he rose from the dead, and he lives right now. So you know what? Do you know who can guarantee who can guarantee that if you want God to forgive you for the wrong things you've done against him, there's someone that God has given to guarantee that he'll forgive your sins, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you'll just look to the Lord Jesus tonight and say, I don't want to be a sinner, and I want forgiveness, you know what he'll promise to do in the Bible? Save you and forgive you. Is that hard to understand? No. He lives, he died for you, he lives, and he says, if you'll call on me, I'll save you. If I said tonight, I like using this illustration, we have some church ink pens around here. If I said tonight, you know what, if you would like to have an ink pen, 
You come and ask me, and I'll give you one. How are you going to get one? This is complicated. Ask. And you know what? It's my job to make sure I do what I promised, isn't it? God says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you ask him to save you, it's his job to do what he promised, and he will. You say, why are we talking about this? I thought we were talking about Herod. We are. When God spoke to Herod, how hard was it for Herod to understand what God said? Not hard when God speaks to you. Let me ask you this tonight. How many of you are convinced that you are a sinner? Just lift your hand up. You're convinced you're a sinner. I'm a, my, you know what? I'm not just lifting my hand to be an example. It's true. All right, put your hands down. Now, help me here. Hunter, I need you to help me. You don't have to be, uh, you don't have to confess all your sins to us, but give me an example of something God in your life used to convince you you're a sinner. Okay, can you give me an example? Like, do you have any sins in your life? Ah, very good. Me too. First sin God ever convinced me of is I have lied. Is lying sin? Does the Bible make it very clear that lying is sin? So when God speaks, it's not hard to convince me if I'm honest. Yeah, I've sinned. Here's the, here's the point. When God speaks, he is not speaking to confuse you. He's helping you understand things the way they are. You have lied, making you a liar. God doesn't want you to die a liar. He wants you to die forgiven. And so he'll convince you, you're not a good person. You're a sinner. And he'll take very specific things in the Bible to convince you. Do you realize that's what God was trying to do with Herod? Herod, you are a sinner. It doesn't matter if you're a king. It doesn't matter how powerful you are. You have offended God, and God is going to punish you. That's what John the Baptist is telling him. He's saying, you are a bad man. You know what that tells me? The Bible says God is no respecter of persons. Meaning God is not going to meet the president and say, oh, you know, you've done some things that displease me, but you're the president of the United States, so you get to come to heaven. Is that the way it works? No, do you realize God deals with the president the same way he deals with a nine-year-old girl or a nine-year-old boy? It doesn't matter. Other than nine-year-old boy is more prone to listen to God than the president is. (laughs) But God's not going to say, well, you know, he's the president or he's a judge or he's a preacher. No, God's no respecter person. So God sent John to Herod to tell Herod the same thing John was telling everybody else. God's coming and you're in trouble. The kingdom of God is at hand. And so the king of uh, the king of, the, of this tetrarch that you are, this king of this region, you're in trouble because you are disobeying God. The voice of God was precise. It revealed sin in Herod's life. It reproved him of sin. By the time John left, did Herod know what he had done wrong? Oh, you betcha. God's word was very clear. It revealed his sin. It reproved him for his sin. And it called upon him to repent for his sin. That was John's message. He said, what? For the kingdom of God is at hand? Repent. Repent. What does it mean to repent? She touched on it just a little bit. It means to agree with God that he's right and I'm wrong about my sin. And that he's right and I'm wrong. And the areas that I've disobeyed him. And he's right when he says I deserve to be punished. It's really just agreeing with God. You're right. I'm wrong. And I need your forgiveness. So the precision of God's voice is very clear. John the Baptist has told Herod the king, you are in disobedience to God. It's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And so then God's word and his voice was very, very clear. Made things clear again. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path now that's the precision number two we're going to consider this when god spoke to herod how did he react 
What was his response to God's voice? Did he say, please tell me more? Or did he say, "Mm, I'm going to put you somewhere where you can't keep telling me how bad I am. Now listen, we're not kings here tonight. So I can't and you can't take whoever God is using in our life as a voice and go stick them in prison. I mean, you know, there are religions that teach people if you ever go to a church where they preach the Bible and they preach that you need to be saved by grace, think in your mind of songs you know so you can ignore the preacher. How I many you know they actually train their members to do that? Miss Perry, am I telling the truth? Okay, thank you. <laughs> they train you how to shut out the preaching of the Bible so you don't get brainwashed. You know what they're suing? Putting the voice of God in prison. I don't want to hear God tell me I'm bad, so I will restrict God's voice. Now think with me tonight. Most of you are young people. How do you do what Herod did? I hope you don't take your pastor and put him in prison. I hope. Well, you can't, right? But do we sometimes respond to the reproving voice of God in the same way? When God's word shows us we're not as nice as we like to think we are, how can we say, you know what, I don't want to hear that, and what can we do to make sure that we don't? Help me here. What, what can we do? Now, some of you, because your parents are in church and you go with them, you can't skip church, right? Let me ask you this. Could you open the Bible and stare at the page instead of read it? Is that one way? Oh, sure we can. In family devotions, could we make sure we're thinking about something else other than what's being stated? Or where you have the option, can you say, I don't want to go to church. Every time I go to church, I'm hearing about what I'm doing wrong. Huh? Is that, is that right? We could do that, can't we? You know what we're doing? You know what we're doing to the voice of God? God's, look, God's trying to speak to us. He can't save us until we realize we need to be saved. He can't forgive us until we know we're wrong. And so he's telling Herod by John the Baptist, you are doing bad things. And Herod says, okay, then I'm going to put you in prison. You're not telling me what I want to hear. They put him in prison. He restricted, we'll use that word, he restricted God's voice by putting it somewhere where it could not be heard. We can do the same thing. You have the ability to choose not to read your Bible. You have the ability to not listen in church or not be in church. You have the ability to not listen to your parents when God is using them as a voice in your life. You have the ability to say, you know what, I'm going to cut that out. I don't want to hear that. That's what Herod did. He prohibited, that's the word I've used, he prohibited or hindered the voice of God. First, he restricted it. But listen, that's a first step. That's a wrong step, bad direction. I don't want to hear what John the Baptist has to say. So the Bible tells us in verses 15 through 20 of Mark 6, others said that it's Elias and others said it's a prophet, so on and so forth. Verse 17 says, For Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake. Meaning Herod really wouldn't even have put him in prison if he wasn't such under the influence of another voice in his life. Why do you reckon he liked Herodias so much? She's a mean gal. Somehow she brought pleasure in his life. Now listen, for us, our Herodias may not be a man or a woman. It may be some other sin that I really like. Was Herodias a sin for Herod? Yes. Who's he listening to more, his sin or his creator? His sin. The creator says, Herod, you are disobeying me. And Herodias says, you hang on to me. 
And if you listen to him, you got to get rid of me. Now, let's just pretend it's not Herodias. Why don't you name whatever your sin is tonight Herodias? How many of us should know that we get to where we get, we like our sin. We call it addiction, but we like our sin. And if we listen to God, you know what we have to do with our sin? Let go of it. God says, I'm not pleased with that. And if you want to hear me, you're going to have to let go of that. God still calls people to what the Bible calls repentance. You let go of your sin. And you know what Herod says? Man. I like John. You know, I get the idea. Herod respected John. He thought, man, that's a just man. He loves God. I don't want to do anything bad to him. God might get in trouble with me. But John kept saying, but that woman in your life is a sin. And he says, but I, and Herodias says, don't you dare let me go. You quit having that man come around that's trying to tell you, let me go. You know, you know what God's voice will do? It'll call you away from sin unto himself. And what happens is, if we're going to listen to that sin, we'll eventually start telling God, quit talking to me. Quit talking to me. If every time you talk to me, you're telling me to get rid of what I love. I love watching that filthy thing. I love listening to that filthy thing. I love thinking those thoughts. I, I love using those words. You, you fill it in. I love having this attitude toward my parents. And God says, but I don't like that. Eventually what will happen is, first we start shutting God's voice out. We put it in prison. But at least it's still enough alive. Where The Bible says even when John was in prison, Herod would hear him from time to time. He would still hear him some because he respected him. But he goes from restricting the voice of God to rejecting the voice of God to finally, what's he do? He removes it. It's hard to talk when your head is not attached to your shoulders. I'm just saying. Once your head is gone, it's very hard to use your voice box. The decapitation of John is symbolic of the fact I'm going to remove what is telling me that I'm wrong. Now listen, again, we don't expect any of you to get a sword and cut somebody's head off. But how many of you know that some people walk away from the Bible and Bible preaching churches and godly Christians and they never come back? There are people who say, you know what? I don't want to be around people that are constantly a source of God reminding me that I'm disobeying him. I don't want to be constantly reminded by preaching. So they shut their Bible, they quit their church, and they say, never again do I want to hear that. They prohibit. They say, I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear God telling me I'm wrong. I don't like it. It scares me. And what happens, why would people do that? Why would people say, I'm done hearing God? Because they have a Herodias that is saying, you don't want to lose me, do you? And if you listen to God, you can't have your sin. If you walk with God, he's going to take the sin away from you. And don't you, you know what, your, does your sin speak to you? Oh, you better believe it. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. How many of you think you got a Herodias inside of you? Absolutely, it's called your flesh. Don't you listen to God. You don't want to lose me, do you, Herod? About the time Herod has got Herodias over here saying, just put that John in prison. Shut him up. You don't want to hear what he has to say. He'll make you get rid of me. And you don't want rid of me, do you? Eh? And then all of a sudden Herodias starts using her daughter, meaning she, just like you, you get one big sin and it births another sin. And now they team up together and they say, you know what? She says, go out there and dance for Herod. He'll like that. Oh, he did on his birthday, by the way. Let me just throw this in. On your birthday, you're supposed to have whatever you want, right? No, not right. He's all self-centered on his birthday, and she comes and dances. That girl does. Oh, it makes Herod so happy. He says, what do you want? I'll give it to you. 
you know what? Sin will trap you so that you'll do what it wants instead of what God wants. And you know what? How many of you think John would even, uh, Herod would ever even come up with the idea of cutting John's head off? It may have crossed his mind. He may have wanted to, but no, nah, I ain't going to do it. I fear it. I'm not going to do it. But Herodias said, but I do. I do. If you keep hearing that prophet, you might deal with me the way you're supposed to. And so let's just cut his head off. And so she introduces another little sinner into Herod's life. And Herod's a sinner. And so he receives that other little sin. And she says, give me John the Baptist's head. And he gave his word. And so I'm done. No more of that voice. How many of you think that once Herod cut off John's head, he thought he would ever hear again, it's unlawful for you to have your brother's wife? How many of you think he thought, done, ha, God won't be talking to me anymore. I cut his voice off. But God's voice doesn't go away. Because you can kill God's tools, but you can't kill God. Right? Many prophets and many preachers have been killed, but God's still talking. God's still speaking. So we find the precision of God's voice. We find the prohibition of God's voice. It was rejected and restricted and removed by Herod. But then the persistence of God's voice. John is dead, but guess who's alive? The Lord Jesus. Look at Luke chapter 9, if you want to turn there. If not, just listen closely. Luke chapter 9, verses 7 through 9. Now, Herod the Tetrarch, same guy we're reading about, heard of all that was done by him. Who's that talking about? Jesus. Jesus was on earth at that time, walking, working miracles and preaching. And Herod, what did he do? He heard. He had never seen Jesus, but he heard, meaning God's voice is still working. Jesus is the voice of God. Now, Herod the Tetrarch heard of all that was done by him, and he was perplexed. Reckon why he's perplexed? Because he thought, I thought I got rid of that already. And he was perplexed because it was said of some that John was risen from the dead. And as far as I can tell, Herod didn't even believe in the resurrection from the dead, but he started believing in it now. It says in verse 8, And some that Elias had appeared... And of others that one of the old prophets was risen again. And Herod said, John have I beheaded, but who is this of whom I hear such things? And he desired to see him. said, i got to see this guy. Some are saying that John, who I thought I shut up, has come back and he's come back to haunt me. Listen, you can reject the voice of God. You can close your Bible. But Jesus Christ is still working in the world whether you cut him off or not. And the work of Jesus Christ got Herod's attention. Here's what happened. Somebody comes to a church, they hear the Bible preached, God convicts them that they need a Savior because they're a sinner condemned. And they say, I don't like thinking about that. I want my sin. I want my sin. So they quit going to church. And they close their Bible. And they ignore and avoid Christians that will remind them that they need to be saved. And they think, whoo, and they go out and get them a job. Now I can live and do whatever I want. No one will bother me. And one day one of their coworkers says, hey, why don't you come to church with me this Sunday? Don't talk to me about church. <laughs> All of a sudden, they're perplexed. I thought I was done with that. I thought nobody was going to talk to me about God anymore. And that same co-worker says, man, I got a piece of paper. You need to read this thing. It'll tell you about what Jesus... I don't want to hear about that. So they change jobs. Next thing you know, they grow up and they get married and have kids. And one of their kids comes home and says, Mommy, have you ever heard about Jesus? Ha! You see, all along... While they're trying to cut off God's voice, God's alive and well and working, saving other people who listen to him. And Herod couldn't get away from God's voice. He put him in prison, thinking that John was the voice of God. Then he cut his head off, and then he hears about somebody else that's greater than John. 
And you know what Jesus called Herod? He called him a fox, meaning God's word got rougher on Herod than it was before. He said, you're a sneak. You're a hypocrite. Jesus called him a hypocrite, called him a fox. How many of you think that's just a little bit rougher than saying what you're doing is unlawful? Now I'm going to tell you, you're a hip, Herod's a hypocrite. And he said, you go tell that fox, I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and he's not going to stop me. I'm paraphrasing. You know what? Herod's trying to get away from the voice of God, but he can't. The Lord Jesus Christ is alive, so he's working. And what happens? The work of Jesus Christ began to do a witness in Herod's conscience. Herod remembers what he had done. On top now, on top of committing fornication and adultery with his brother's wife, now he's murdered a man of God. And Jesus comes along to let him know, I know what you are. And he says, I thought I killed John the Baptist, but who is this? You know what that's telling me? He is scared. Do you know what not responding properly to the voice of God will do? It will fill you with fear. Now, I want you to listen to you kids hear about all oh, how bad our country is, and our country is in a mess. But you know one of the worst things about our nation right now is, is how filled with fear it is. Now, I'm going to put you, give you a little clue. Do you know one of the reasons our nation is so afraid? They've heard 30 to 50 years of preaching that God's judgment is coming. And in the back of their mind, they're saying, is it true? We have, we have ignored Bible preaching. We have been told because of our sins of killing children, little babies, and living immoral, ungodly lives that God's going to judge us. And some people are frantically saying, if there's anything like weather patterns, it's not God. We're doing it. We've got to change it. It's us. Not God, not God, not God. Why are they scrambling to do that? They're perplexed. We thought when we outlawed God and told him he couldn't be in school, we wouldn't hear from him anymore. But he keeps talking to us. And he won't leave us alone. And so inside our nation is filled with fear because they've heard there's a God and that that God in the person of Jesus is coming again. And they've said, we don't believe that. We don't believe that. We don't believe that. We like our sin. We don't want to hear about God. And every time we have a natural disaster, the world says, oh, no, what's happening? Now, Christians don't have to do that because we know what's happening. But when you've rejected God's voice, you're just waiting for when judgment's going to come. The Bible says a certain fearful looking for of judgment. You know when you say, I don't want to hear God has to say, then one day he's going to say, you're going to listen to me whether you want to or not. Right? That's the way it works. So then there was a persistence in God's voice and that God wouldn't leave Herod alone. The work of Jesus Christ began to witness in his conscience, I'm in trouble. I dealt with John the Baptist. And he's coming back. What he had to say, I'm hearing again. But then here's the sad part about Herod. He had willful contempt. Luke chapter 13, verses 31 and 32. Every time God would speak to Herod, he responded the same. Every time God would speak, instead of saying, Oh God, I've been so awful. I deserve your judgment, but please forgive me. What he would do is he would try to cut God off. Just try to cut him off. And so let me read this very quickly. Luke 9, and then I'll go to Luke 13. Or excuse me, uh, yeah, I'm going to read Luke Luke 9 and then Luke 23, okay? Uh, Luke 9, Luke 13, Luke 23. Just bear with me. I'll read them to you, and then we'll, we'll move along. Luke chapter 9, verse 7, the Bible says, Now Herod the Tetrarch heard of all that was done by him, and he was perplexed because that it was said of some that John was risen from the dead, and some that Elias had appeared, and of others that one of the old prophets was risen again. And Herod said, John have I beheaded, but who is this of whom I hear such things? And the Bible says, And he desired 
to see him. Don't forget that. He desired to see Jesus, not because he wanted to repent, but because he was curious and he was perplexed, okay? He's confused. Who is this? I need to see this guy because it troubled him. Now, Luke chapter 13, verses 31 and 32, here is Herod's response to Jesus. The same day there came certain of the Pharisees saying to him, Get thee out and depart hence, for Herod will, what? Kill thee. He'll kill you. And he said unto them, Go ye and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out devils, and I do cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. Nevertheless, I must walk today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet perish out of Jerusalem. What he's saying about Jesus is that I'm going to do the same thing to you I did to John. Now, he wanted to see him, but it tells us he wanted to see him. The Bible tells us later he wanted to see Jesus do some kind of a miracle. He was curious, but he wasn't repentant. And so his attitude toward the voice of God is the same. I'm, I'm willing to hear it, but I'm not going to obey it. All right? And so then fourthly, we find the prevention of God's voice. So what do you mean by that? I mean there came a day when Herod wanted Jesus to talk to him, and guess what? He wouldn't. Herod said, I want to hear the voice of God one more time, not because he wanted to get saved, because of curious. And when he demanded to hear God's voice, guess what God said? Nope. You said you didn't want to hear my voice, and so I'm not going to talk to you. Luke chapter 23, verses 6 through 12. Luke 23, verses 6 through 12. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked what? This is when Jesus is being crucified. He asked whether the man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged unto Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod. Talking about Jesus. He sent Jesus to Herod to be judged, who himself was also, was, also was at Jerusalem at that time. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad. Oh, good. This person I've heard about is so famous. I get to see him. For he was desirous to see him of a long season because he had heard many things of him. And he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him, meaning he wanted to see Jesus do some cool thing, right? Then he questioned with him in many words. Listen to verse 9. Then he questioned with him in many words, meaning Herod would ask Jesus questions, many questions, over and over, questions, 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 verse 9. Then he questioned him with many words, but he answered him, nothing. The chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him. And Herod with his men of war set him at naught and mocked him and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him again to Pilate. Look at this. When Jesus would not do what Herod wanted him to do, he mocked him and sent him back to Herod to Pilate to be crucified. You know what Herod had decided? I am not going to submit to the voice of God. And if God won't do what I say, then I really don't want anything to do with him. I think it's pretty plain, isn't it? He questioned him and questioned him, and questioned him. And he, when he wanted to hear God, could he? No. Now, I believe if you study the pattern of Scripture, there can come a point in time in your life when you've told God enough, I don't want to hear you, that he'll stop talking to you. He'll let you do what you want. Be careful. God, God will not force you to believe him. You've heard, is this a theme tonight? Is it a theme this week? God will speak to you. He will tell you, you must be saved. Well, why do I need to be saved? Because you've disobeyed me and you're in trouble. You've broken my law. You need me to save you. And I've done everything to save you. I came in the person of Jesus and I died for you. And I'm alive and I love you and I want to save you. But if we say, no, 
if I listen to you, I can't keep my little Herodias sin over here, and so don't talk to me. And there'll come a time when God says, okay. And we say, so, you ask some Christians someday, the Bible says this, what does it mean there? And they go, I'm not answering you. Well, what does it mean over here? Prove to me the Bible's true. Nope. But I want some proof. Who, who is this Jesus? I've heard he's got to a point. Herod said, Jesus, who are you? Are you the son of God? And you know what Jesus said? Where are you from? Are you John the Baptist raised from the dead? Why don't you answer me? I'm a king. Don't you think the silence of Jesus' voice spoke loudly? He had said, I don't want to hear you talking to me. And God said, okay. Now turn to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. This is one of the last two times we ever hear from Herod. By the way, on your own time, I won't read it to you for time's sake, read Proverbs chapter 1, verses 24 through 33. Wisdom says that she cries to you. But if you say to wisdom, no, then one day you'll cry for her and she'll mock you and not answer you. You have an opportunity in your youth to be wise. I believe the messages you hear, whether it's from my mouth or somebody else is faithfully preaching the Bible, or even the testimonies you've heard, God holds you accountable for. He's talking to you. He's speaking to you. He's saying, I want, I want what's best for you. But if you say, no, I want to decide to do what is against you. I want to be able to sin and not be in trouble for that. Be careful because there can, can come a day when we say, okay, God, now I'm in trouble and I want to hear from you. No answer. Now, God's very merciful and very gracious, but I find in Herod's life for years and years, God was speaking to him and he was saying, no. And so then when he spoke to God and said, talk to me, God said, no, I won't. Now, Acts chapter 4, verses 27 through 31 says, and here it is, uh, I believe this is Peter that's preaching. It says, for of a truth, verse 27, against their, their, their praying, against thy, the, the, the church is praying, against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed both, who's the first person he mentions? Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles, Gentiles and the people were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. I don't think this is accidental that one of the last mentions of Herod in the Bible is that he was gathered together with others against Jesus. Meaning the Holy Spirit of God records in the Bible that Herod ended his life not believing on the Lord Jesus and opposing him and was guilty of the crucifixion of Jesus. Pilate too. Pilate tried to get out by saying, it's not me, it's them, and God held him accountable. This tells me at the end, after Herod is dead, who's still talking? God. Herod had said, I won't hear God. I won't hear God. I won't hear God. And God said, okay, you won't hear God. And he opposed Jesus Christ and did exactly what God... You can't undo God's plan. When you and I don't listen to the voice of God, does it hurt? Does it mess God up? 
All it does is mess us up. Now, I'm not going to destroy myself tonight. But let me ask you a question. I don't like that wall being there. I just don't like it. I don't want that wall to be there. And I don't want to go through a door. So what I'm going to do is because I think that wall is intrusive and I think it is restrictive. I don't want it to be there. So I'm going to walk through it. I don't like the wall being there. What do you think? Lily, you think I should just walk through the wall? <laughs> now, I'll tell you what I do. If I bang that wall with my head enough, you know what will happen to that wall? It will knock me out. Eh? Let's, in fact, let's not do this wall. Let's do this one. Huh? Let's do this one. I decide I don't like this wall being here, so I'm going to move it. <laughs> What's going to happen to me? I keep resisting that wall. I'm going to be laying on here on the floor in blood, and the wall is going to be standing right there. When you resist the voice of God, you can, but it doesn't change his voice. It doesn't stop God's word. Herod is dead, but guess what's being preached in Acts chapter 4? The same message he tried to stop back there in Mark chapter 6. Now Herod, at this point, his body's in the ground and his soul is in hell. Because when God tried to save him, he said, No, I want my sin. I don't want your salvation. And God let him have his way. Right? Now, why is this in the Bible? So we have a scary message or to give us wisdom? So you know what? You and I can resist God's word, but it doesn't destroy God's word. It just destroys us. Why do pastors and preachers and Christians who love you go after you so hard and say, please listen to God's word? Because we know what happens to you when you don't. When you resist God's word, God's word stays the same but it, it ruins you. Look at 2 Peter 3, and we're done. 2 Peter chapter 3, and there's words here that we don't use all the time, but they're not hard to understand. 2 Peter chapter 3, it talks about words that are hard to understand, but what it said here is really not. 2 Peter chapter 3, what I just said I was going to do to the wall, we might call that resting the wall, meaning I'm trying to move it because I don't like where it's at or whatever it may be. I'm going to wrestle with that wall and try to move it. Sometimes people do that with the voice of God. God says something. I don't like what God says, so we try to change it like Herod did. But what happens? As 2 Peter 3.16, it's talking about what Paul wrote in his epistle. says, as also in all his epistles, which are just letters. That's, that's another word for letters. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood. Paul wrote some things that are hard to understand. Which they that are unlearned and unstable rest. Meaning... They reject and say, I don't agree with what that says. I don't believe that. And they rest with, means it's a short word for wrestle. They try to twist and change and rest with it. It says, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. There are people that take the Bible and what it says, I don't believe that. I don't like that. And it doesn't destroy the Bible. It just destroys them. And that's the message and the lesson from Herod's life. Herod heard very clearly what God had to say. And he said, no. No, I'm one to silence God and keep my sin. And God spoke to him again, even by Jesus Christ. And he said, no, I'm not going to listen. I'm going to help crucify Jesus, so I'm going to keep my sin. And then there came a day when Herod died, and God's word stayed just the same. Now, the truth is tonight, you do, truly, God does not overwhelm your choice. You either can listen to him or not. 
I heard a preacher say it this way. You get to choose the road you will take, but you do not get to choose where that road ends. Truly, a road of rejecting God's word ultimately ends in a place called hell. And if you've been saved from hell, but you decide to get off of God's will for your life, you can't. That ends in a place called chastisement. You get, you get to choose. You get to decide to be wise or foolish. That's up to you. But you don't get to choose the outcome. You just get to make the choice and decide, do I believe God or not? So my encouragement to you tonight is, look, don't, don't be like Herod. Be like Joseph. Do you realize how similar these two men are? Herod was a king and had a woman that wanted him to sin, and he wanted to sin with her, and he chose his sin over God, and it destroyed him. Joseph was a prisoner, and he said, I would rather stay a prisoner and be in God's will, or he was a servant. I'd rather be in God's will. And a woman says, sin, and he says, I will not. I'll obey God. Joseph ends up a king, and Herod ends up condemned. Truth? It's very important how we respond to what God says to us. How many of you know this? When you hear the Bible and it tells you you're a sinner and you need to be saved, it makes you feel warm and friendly and fuzzy inside, doesn't it? No, it makes you feel guilty. You know why the Word of God makes us feel guilty? Because we are, and the Word of God is true. But does God want you to go on being guilty, or does He want to forgive you and take your guilt away? That's what it means to be saved. Now, here tonight, for those of you who are already saved, the principle is still the same. Even as a saved person, God will chasten you because you're His if you don't listen to His Word but you realize the point of that is to teach us to listen and obey. Now, I don't know how God's speaking to you tonight. If you're here and you've not listened to God yet when he's telling you, you need to let me save you. Don't leave here tonight like Herod. I'm encouraging you. But ultimately, it's your choice. Mm-hmm.